Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Even though he's facing it, as you read the verses I just read to you, Do you have a sense that he's depressed, he's negative, he's scared, he's fearful? Not at all. Well, how can that be? You see, through that whole context, Paul's excited about this day. That's the only thing he has. And so he's going to have joy about it. And he's learned to get up every morning with that joy and with that hope, regardless of the circumstances of life. He's a great role model for us. I don't know about you, but thinking about my future death at some unknown time can sometimes make me sad. Even though I know that when I die, I'll be with Jesus, the process or circumstances of my death don't bring me happiness. Pastor Mark is teaching about the attitude of the Apostle Paul, which was 180 degrees different. Even though he knew he faced imminent death, it was actually the last thing on his mind. He was concerned with the spiritual health of his readers, as well as keeping his focus on serving Christ. His is the example we should strive to follow every day. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now here's Pastor Mark in Philippians chapter 1 with part 1 of his message, Living and Dying for What? to Philippians chapter 1. The other day I was on the internet and I came across a help column. This individual was writing and I want to read it to you because it's pretty common kind of thinking. The title of the column was this, Thinking About Death, But I'm Not Suicidal. So that's good. I don't know whether this is a man or a woman writing, but listen. Some people say death is just another part of life, but no longer existing is terrifying. If I'm no longer around, of course, I wouldn't be like worrying. I'd just be gone. But if there is an afterlife... I would probably go to hell or the equivalent because I would have angered whatever God is actually in charge. Now, sometimes I wish that I was immortal, but never dying would make living and everything I do pointless. And then he or she writes, Sigh, what do you think? If this question came from a friend of yours, how would you answer that paragraph? 
You see, just by reading this, it's very easy for me and for you to understand this is an individual that's searching for purpose and meaning in their life. Now, somehow, they have some kind of religious background. Don't really know what it is. But they use the word hell or the equivalent. They use the word whatever God. So they know somehow in their background there's some kind of maybe God. And maybe there is an afterlife. And if there is, how do you get there in a good condition? And by the way, I'm not really living, I'm existing. Is there any purpose to life? Pretty common questions. Life and death. Living and dying. Those are questions that are on our minds. He mentions or she mentions dying. Now, lots of times we don't want to think about death. But to be honest... We think about it anyway. Do you remember you wake up one morning and you, you have a chest pain? Or ladies, you're doing a breast exam and you find a lump. What's one of the thoughts that begins coming through your mind? I'm going to die. And it's not a funny thought. It's like, I'm going to die. We think about death a lot. As you get older, you definitely think about death a lot. Because there's a lot more behind you than in front of you. But we also think about life. Why am I here? What's my purpose? How can I make sure, unlike this person, that there is meaning and there is purpose for every day? Well, to think about purpose and meaning of life We have to go to how we begin the day. What gets you up and excited in the morning? Let me give you a couple options. How many have an alarm clock? That's what gets you going in the morning. Let me see how many. How many like to throw that sucker against the wall sometimes? They have those, you know. By the way, I was watching Dr. Oz this week. Do you know what the normal average time, I have no idea how they figured this out, but the average wake-up time for the American is in the United States, you know what time it is? 5.57 a.m. How many are average? About that point? How many go, not over my dead body, 5.57? Well, some of you, the alarm clock gets you up. How many of you, you really get out of bed because you're looking for that cup of java, right? As soon as you can get it into you. If you had an IV, you'd put it right in bed, right in you. Yeah. How many enjoyed the free coffee weekend last weekend? Good stuff, wasn't it? Told you it was good coffee. Got to pay for it this week. Sorry. Now, is that why we get up? Or do we get up in the morning because there's a purpose to living? The Bible says every day... His mercies are new. So the question we have in our hearts is really these kind of questions. Do we get up in the morning excited to see what God's going to do in and through our life? Oh, I don't mean like weird religious 
always thinking about God 24-7 every time. I'm talking about that. But, I mean, what do you live for? What is your master passion? Are you living? Or simply like this person writing, existing? You just get up every day. It's kind of like the last one. The next month is like that. Maybe the weather's a little different, but you're just kind of going through life. Do you have a reason and a purpose for living? Does your life really matter? Or are you just another one of the 6.8 billion nothings on this earth? Well, today in our passage, Paul answers all the questions of this young man or young woman who wrote that opening statement. But he does more than that. He gives us a reason for living. And then he tells us how to live well. And strangely enough, how to die well. All of that in our passage. Very practical because you're going to Either live with purpose or without it. And you're going to die either well or poorly. And we can learn how today. Philippians chapter 1, we start at verse 19. We'll read all the way down through 26. Here I go. Remember now, Paul is in jail in Rome. He's chained to a guard 24-7. He's going to trial. For I know that through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. Now I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ. And to die is gain. Now, if I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. But yet, what shall I choose? I do not know. So notice, he's in a dilemma. Verse 23, I am torn between the two. I desire to depart, in other words, to die, and be with Christ, which is far better. But it is more necessary for you, talking about the church at Philippi, the people, that I remain in the body. In other words, alive. Now, convinced of this, I know that I will remain. And I will continue with all of you, notice he has influence on them, for your progress and your joy in the faith, so that through my being with you again, your joy in Christ, Christ Jesus, what will that joy look like? It'll overflow because you know me. Now, Paul is in prison, as I said. He's in his private house. He's under guard 24-7. But he is facing the real prospect of his execution. No doubt when Paul got up in the morning, he began to think like this. Will the trial happen today? If I lose the trial, how will I be executed? When will it happen? What will the circumstances look like? You see, he would almost be like 
Some of us who face life-threatening physical kind of things. We're going through chemo, we're going through surgery, the chance of going through the surgery is 50, 50 all the Paul's exactly there, going to Iraq, going to Afghanistan. He's facing death. Even though he's facing it, as you read the verses I just read to you, do you have a sense that he's depressed? He's negative? He's scared? He's fearful? Not at all. Well, how can that be? You see, through that whole context, Paul's excited about this day. That's the only thing he has. And so he's going to have joy about it. And he's learned to get up every morning with that joy and with that hope, regardless of the circumstances of life. He's a great role model for us. Now look at verse 19, and let's unpack that verse for you. Two key words you want to circle in your Bibles. For I know, circle that word, know, that through your prayers and the help given to me by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my, circle this word, my deliverance. The word know in the original language means certain, confidence, guaranteed. I know that I know that I know this is going to happen. So what does Paul know? Well, notice the next word that I ask you to circle is deliverance. It's a word that we would call salvation. Now, it's not talking about his spiritual salvation because obviously he's saved. But it's talking about deliverance from his current circumstances. So Paul is certain that God has a plan for him right in those circumstances. In fact, Paul seems to be quoting from Job in the Old Testament. He used the same word. Let me read it to you, Job 13, 16. Job says, indeed, this will turn out for my deliverance. So Paul had deliverance. He wasn't sure whether it was going to be by life or by death. But he would be delivered from one or the other. He knew that his present circumstances were temporary. And life changes so quickly. Bottom line, as we read verses 25 and 26, he seems to be certain that he's going to be delivered from this imprisonment. He's going to win the trial. So Paul is really anticipating then he's going to live. Now, sometimes when we read this passage, if you look back there where you are, if you look down to verse 21, that's kind of the center of the passage. For to me, to live is Christ. That gives us purpose and meaning. And to die, it's gain. Now, when you and I read that, we kind of say to ourselves, well, Pastor Mark Paul's a super spiritual person. I can't relate to him. He's so heavenly minded. He's no earthly good. No, not at all. Maybe as you look at that, you might think, well, Paul has got this death wish. No, not at all. First thing I want you to write this morning is this. Paul loved living everyday life. He loved living everyday life. Understand as you look at this, Paul isn't asking God to take him to heaven right now. I'd like to go to heaven right now, God. Thank you very much. Notice we don't see in this passage that Paul doesn't have a death wish. 
It doesn't say in verse 25 that he made a call to Dr. Kevorkian. Come on over, give me one of your famous injections to die is better. No, he, he loved living. In fact, he's confident that God's going to deliver him and he will have more chances to enjoy life. I want you to turn with me to Acts chapter 9. Keep your finger there, we'll be right back. Acts chapter 9. And when you get there, let me give you a little scenario. Paul was supernaturally saved by God. He was a Jew that hated Christians. He was killing Christians. But God changed his life. And when he did, God took him to the deserts of Arabia for about three years to learn. He was learning from Jesus. Well, he comes back into Damascus, and if you look down at verse 23, he comes back to the city of Damascus, and he finds that the Jewish people, who were his friends, are now his enemies. Look at it. After many days had gone by, the Jews conspired to kill Paul. Saul would be who they call him. But Saul learned... Of their plan. In other words, God made him aware of this. Well, day and night, they kept close watch on the city gates in order to kill him. But his followers, Paul's followers, Christians, took him by night, lowered him in a basket through an opening in the wall, and Paul, well, his life was saved. You see, we don't see there in verse 24, when Paul learned of their plan, Paul says this, Bring it on, guys. Kill me. Because heaven's better. I'm ready to go right now. No, not at all. Notice, Paul and God were working together. God made Paul aware of the plans. His friends came and provided a way of escape. From this deliverance, Paul knew one thing. God was not through with him. He could go on loving life. And all that life entailed. Now, Loving life. Any of you out there breathing this morning? Hello? Yes, you're breathing. So what do I mean by that? If you're breathing, you're alive. Some of you need that caffeine right now, I can tell. You're alive. And so if you're alive, it means there's purpose for your life. Not existence. But purpose. When we go to Israel, we go to this neat spot up near the Sea of Galilee. It's the spot where one day Jesus was teaching and the crowd came and they were going to throw him over the cliff and kill Jesus. And the Bible says he found his way through the crowd and left. Now why didn't Jesus allow them to throw him over. Because he wasn't supposed to die yet. We'll learn more. Our times are in God's hands. So Jesus knew that he hadn't gone to the cross. It wasn't time for him to die. And so he wanted to go on enjoying life. If you're breathing this morning, you have life in you. 
the very life of God. And he has a plan for your life. And part of that plan should be loving life. Because it's a wonderful gift from God. So Paul loved life. Let me ask you a question. And I don't want you to answer out loud, but I want you to think about it. Do you love living? Or are you simply existing? Have you lost the zest for living? If you go back to verse 19, we see that Paul wanted to live well. He wanted to die well, back in Philippians. But he knew he needed more than his resolve. He needed more than his resources himself. To enjoy life and to live life, Paul needed three things. Let me give you them. Here's number two to write. Paul loved living because of people. Notice he says, for I know that through your prayers. What prayers? The people at Philippi. The people he had met. The people he had discipled. Once again, we see that enjoying life involves loving people. Paul knows that the people back in the church of Philippi are thinking about him. In fact, one of the reasons he wants to live is to go back and be with them. You see, if we're going to enjoy life, we have to enjoy people. Yeah, people like you. People like me. Funky people, aren't we? Sometimes my wife and I will be driving, we'll see somebody and we go, everybody's different. You know what I mean, don't you? Trouble is, they're saying the same thing in the other car as we drive down the road ourselves. I think Facebook and Twitter and a lot of these things are terrific. But you can't replace face-to-face with people, touching people, with an email or Twitter or a picture, even on Skype. It's very different touching people. Being around people. One day, Jesus said, well, here's a commandment I want to give you. He said, you're to love the Lord your God with all your heart and your mind and your soul. This is the, this is the first and greatest commandment. You see, life has to have God in it. But he didn't end there. He said this, and you must love your neighbor as yourself. We're to love God and what? Love people. We're to, here we go, love God and love people. No, we're not Gator fans. We're to love God and we're love people. Notice, if you put this out this far, you touch somebody. We have a core commitment in this church. It's connect to others in personal, vibrant relationships. Paul knew that living involved people. He was still connected to the church back at Philippi. Today, Pastor Mark shared more about the attitude the Apostle Paul had towards life. Even though he knew he might be put to death at any time, he didn't waste time dwelling on that. Instead, he focused on loving those around him and being a true ambassador for Christ. 
If we truly love Jesus, this is the example we need to be following in our lives day by day. Lessons for Living is the teaching ministry of Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. We have multiple campuses to reach those living in Melbourne, Sebastian and Vieira. All campuses meet each weekend and on Wednesdays to spend time collectively raising our voices in worship to our Most High God and studying the truth and blessings found in His Word. For more information, directions, and service times, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on the church link at the bottom of the page. Next time, we'll hear Pastor Mark continue his teaching, Living and Dying for What? We'll hear more about the Apostle Paul's love and concern for the Philippian church and his thankfulness for them and their prayer support. We will learn more about the aspects of Paul's life that allowed him to keep his focus on others and not his own personal discomforts. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Mark continues teaching through this series, Contagious, Outrageous Joy. That's next time on Lessons for Living. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.